Hi guys, and welcome to the Mixtape Podcast, where we talk about movies from a screenwriter's perspective. This week, we have 1992's Cuffs, starring Christian Slater, and I almost forgot who was in it. I will be your host, Dean Stark. I am joined by my co-host, Marcella Inostroza, and this movie was directed by Bruce A. Evans. It was written by Bruce A. Evans and Reynold Gideon. So the premise of this movie is, down on his luck, George Cuffs is a young, broke man with a pregnant girlfriend. Despite, uh, sorry, desperate, see, I'm having trouble reading my writing already. Desperate for money, he travels to San Francisco to visit his brother, who is then murdered. Now, I had never seen, because this let me tell you how the structure goes, folks. Just in case, I don't think we've ever told people how the structure goes. The structure is this: we alternating weeks, we pick movies. So Marcelo picks a movie, I pick a movie, and then we just alternate week to week to week to week. This was Marcelo's pick. I've never seen this movie. I mean, I, I feel like it's a classic. It's a Christian Slater '90s classic, and I've never seen this movie. I had always seen it in the VHS store because it has like this blue cover but I'd never actually seen it. So this is the, my first time watching it. And um, yeah, I liked it. It's not it's not the kind of movie I would watch, but I thought it was pretty good. I mean, look, uh, look I'm, I like 90s movies anyway. So I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was funny here and there. Um, but if you've seen it and you're a fan of it, here we go. So the opening scene. Um, Christian, obviously, Christian Slater. He plays George Cuffs. He's uh, in his living room dancing with his girlfriend, Maya, who is played my, by, and people might know the name, Mila Jovovich. Yes, 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 it's Mila Jovovich. She's in this movie. She's very. She looks very, very young, um, but they're dancing together. She is in her underwear. Um, he's just in a pair of uh, track pants or sweatpants, as the Americans like to call it. Um, it's, it sets it up. They're happy. They're dancing. They're young. They're in love. They, they're, they're, they're carefree, carefree. All is fine and good. And then Maya tells him she's pregnant and everything kind of falls apart. Now, what this movie does, and I don't know if this was a first because this was in 90s, but it breaks the fourth wall. So for people listening that don't know what that is, it's basically where the actor talks to the camera. They talk directly to the audience. And uh, breaking the fourth wall is more and done more and more now, I think, than in the 90s. I don't know if this was the first movie to do it. Probably not. It's the first movie in the 90s I've seen do it. But Christian Slater turns to the camera and starts talking to the camera. And I was like, oh, I didn't know he did that in this movie. So that was a nice surprise. And basically he's saying, it. look, it's a way for exposition. And I think, look, it can be used good or bad. Um, he tells the camera, look, he's known this chick for six months. He's got women to do, places to see. So it sets it up like he's just a scumbag. But he's like 21 years old. He doesn't want a baby. He wants to go around with chicks. Like that's, that's, that's all he wants to do. So anyway, she he's looking at the camera and he's like, she's going to come up and she's going to ask me what I think about this baby stuff. And like, I, I don't know. And then she comes up to him and she says, so what do you think? And he says, about what? <laughs> so, so he really does not want to fucking uh, deal with this. So anyway, I thought that was a good opening scene. It shows um, Christian Slater, sets him up to be a bit of a, just a 20 year old, 21 year old guy sets up the girlfriend, sets up the pregnancy, sets up, um, the fact that kind of, he doesn't want to, doesn't want to do this. Um, so I thought that that was a good opening scene. It only lasts for a couple of minutes. So what did you think? Yeah, I thought it was a really effective scene, uh, to, to, to start off the movie, you know, they're dancing, they're having fun. And then, you know, this big emotional life referring bomb gets dropped on our main character. And then we discover, you know, that he is, uh, you know, that he is sort of, uh, he repels commitment. He has certain things that he wants to accomplish and this and that. Also, it does a great job of showing us how much these two people love each other because that's going to come into play throughout the course of the movie. And I thought it was a wonderful way to sort of set things off and set this movie in motion, so to speak. So the next scene, well, it's not really a scene. It's a um, I've got, I've written down read from phone because I was not going to write this down. I just literally took a picture of my television and I'm going to read it out now because this is more exposition than I think people need to know in this. So 
Uh, it says, in 1851, San Francisco could not afford enough policemen to protect its population. So the city was divided into districts, sounds like Hunger Games, which were sold to private citizens, merchants who wanted to pay these men for police protection. Today, the men and women who own these districts are called patrol specials. And I'm sitting there, because I've never seen this movie before, thinking, is this a cipher? This sounds like Robocop. Is this a sci-fi? Like, it's just, it's such a weird concept to put into a comedy. It feels like they're trying to jam, because it sounds sci-fi, they're trying to jam sci-fi action and comedy and they're trying to make it work, which I found, like, bizarre. Like, what what did you, what did you, that's, I mean, because I've never seen this movie before, I was like, this is weird. What did you think, just of, of the setup of that? Uh, that was very strange. Um. The first time I saw this movie, I thought that it was going to be like this buddy cop sort of thing and, you know, rolled up in a comedy. Like I like I didn't understand why the city of San Francisco didn't have an, you know, uh, uh, wasn't able to afford um, enough police officers to, you know, patrol the streets. And it was very, very strange to me that the citizens of San Francisco would trust their safety to a bunch of to 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 its own citizens who aren't properly who aren't properly trained to be police. It was very odd that they would do something like that. But as this movie goes on, you learn that the that the people in charge of the the people in charge of these of these districts are actual police. They have to go to the police academy. And they have to get certified. They actually become police to 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 watch over these districts. So that made me feel a little bit better, but it was a little bit odd from the start reading that big giant text and understanding what what a big uh, what a big piece of this movie was going to be like. So next we're introduced to Brad, which is George's brother, and he's a police officer, and there's a robbery taking place at a convenience store, and there's a shootout and it's so funny because he pulls up in the police car outside the, the shop and these 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 guys are running out and they've got shotguns and the bad guys just shoot. He goes, freeze police, and they just shoot at him in broad daylight in front of – it's like Robocop. It's exactly like Robocop. They don't – the criminals do not give a shit. They're shooting at a fucking police officer with shotguns during the day. And I'm and, – but again, it's kind of sets sets it up that the bad guys are taking over, that the police – they don't respect the police. They don't care about the police. They don't – like now if a police officer – you know, was outside a store and a criminal ran out, the criminal would just be like, shit, and kind of just drop the gun. <laughs> they, they don't, they have no respect for the police. They don't care. Um, so there's a shootout outside. Uh, and then we're at the police station. And look, can I just say, there is a lot of actors in this movie that I recognize from other stuff. And if, no, I didn't write it down. Let's see if my memory can remember, can remember all of them. So now we're at the police station and Brad, which is George's brother, is trying to calm down the residents because the residents are like, oh, you're not doing anything and blah, 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 and all this stuff because apparently residents can just go into these districts and have issues. And he's trying to calm, calm them down and he's they're saying crime is out of control, which it is, and he's trying to, like, do something about it. But... There is one of the officers that works for him because he's the head of the district. Um, one of the female officers, she's blonde. She, uh, I recognized her immediately. She is the mother from Goonies. And I'm like, that is the mum from Goonies. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to IMDB this just to make sure. And it was. And I'm like, oh, I've literally never seen this woman in anything else. So that was kind of a treat. Anyway, that was the setup to Brad, George's brother. It sets him up. He's a, he's a police officer. He's a good guy. He's trying to, to you know, um, appease the residents. He's trying to do his job. And I thought that that was a good setup for him and also set up for the fact that criminals can basically get away with anything. So what did you think? Yeah, I like this scene a lot because it shows that the criminal element in the city of San Francisco obviously doesn't give a crap about the police. They they, they have no fear and they do, basically don't give a shit. And also it did a nice job of showing us how the people who give power to the to the people who the, – the, it, it also did a nice job of showing us how the residents are able to just co- show up at the police station and just throw random complaints about the people, you know, uh, at the people who they, 
a point to take care of their district. So I thought it was a very, very efficient scene in terms of story and pushing it forward. Now uh, we're back with George, which is Christian Slater, and he's outside his brother's, like, precinct. It's called Patrol Special Office. He's standing there. He's talking to the cameras, breaking the fourth wall again, and he's saying he's here to see his brother on his birthday. He's in San Francisco, and uh, but he's here. He's holding a turkey, and he's like, I'm going to cook my brother a turkey because it's my brother's, you know, favorite food, um, but I'm going to ask for a loan. So basically, again, it sets up his character as he's the kind of person that has to butter someone up in order to ask, so like put them in a good mood, and then and then he'll ask for it, and hopefully that's better. I don't like people that do that, just FYI. If you're going to ask, just ask. You don't need to butter me up. <laughs> but some people's thinking that's the way you go. So anyway, um, he goes to cross the road. He trips and he 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 flings the turkey out of his hands and the turkey basically gets run over by a truck. And he was like, "Oh well, I I didn't I didn't see really any rele- relevance to to that whole thing. Like the the first bit he says where he's here to see his brother, blah blah blah. But the whole turkey getting smushed by the truck that had no relevance to anything. I thought. No, I th- you know what? I think the turkey bit was just to sit up another bit later in the movie. And I think it was just something to occupy Christian Slater's hands while it was giving us the exposition through the voiceover. But at, at in the moment, it really had no, no bearing on anything. Yeah, exactly. So uh, now we cut to George and Brad and they're at like a Chinese restaurant and the Chinese people are singing happy birthday to him. And then basically George says, uh, yeah, I need a loan. And his brother says, how much? And he goes, ah, oh, four grand. And his brother just looks at him and just like laughs. Like he doesn't even need to say no. He just like laughs like, oh my God, no. So now we're at the Chinese restaurant where it's at night. We're walk- they're walking down the street and his brother asks him, he goes, look, if you want money, work for me, uh, be a patrol officer, like go do your training and then you can just work and you can get the money. And George basically goes, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to do a nine to five job. I don't want to get stuck in that routine. I just want to get a lot of money and like live my perfect life. Again, setting up his character as someone that just doesn't want to do the hard work, wants the easy way, has no interest in in doing anything with his life. But it, but again, he's 21, so it kind of it, it kind of makes sense. And then his brother tells him that, you know, a gangster offered him money to basically look the other way, but he didn't take it. And that again, sets up his character as, you know, he's, he's an upstanding police officer. He's not corrupt. And they stop outside a church and his brother says, I always go in here before I start my shift. And George stays outside. He goes, look, I got to call my girlfriend because he's just left her. <laughs> right. So George turns to the camera again and says, yeah, I just left my girlfriend. I left her a note saying I couldn't do this. And, and I, you know, I, I kind of feel bad for it. So he's at a payphone, And then we go inside the church and there is a man that walks in and his brother turns around and the man gets a gun and he says, oh, you should have taken the deal and shoots him. And then we cut to George outside and George, he's the gunshots and he runs in and he sees the man with a gun over his brother. And I find this really fascinating. Because the man, because I'm like, oh, why did you run into the, like, the guy's, this this guy's going to shoot you. But instead, the guy, um, his brother's obviously dying on the floor. He drops the gun and walks out. And, and I thought, wow, that is so bizarre because crime is so rampant in this district that this vil- this bad guy does not even care that there's a witness. He even dropped the evidence. Like he's like, well, because it's like, oh, he's not going to go to jail anyway because you know they can't get him on anything. Blah blah blah. He's got a good lawyer or whatever. And I'm like, wow, that's so fucking brazen to do that. Um, and then his brother gets rushed to hospital, and this is the first time that you see George Christian Slater um, uh, really emotionally upset because his brother is a really, really good guy. And the story sets him up as an upstanding, non-corrupt cop, wants to do, 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 good, do the good thing, wants to be a hero. Um, and he's just, you know, gotten shot in a church, which is like probably the worst thing ever. So um, I really like that scene. What do you think? Yeah, I think, you know what, I think, you know, I think the scene leading up to what happens in the church really sets up George to be someone who doesn't have his life together, someone who is trying to live the fast life and someone who doesn't understand responsibility. And I think after what happens in the church, after his brother gets killed in the church, that is George, that that is the universe telling George, 
I understand how old you are, but you got to get your shit together, kid, because number one, you have to become a better man because you're going to be a dad. And number two, you have to find out, you have to find the motherfucker who shot your brother. You have to, you have to find a way to, uh, uh, um, make him pay for killing your brother. And I think that this incident, this incident really, really, uh, is the catalyst for George growing up and, and getting his life together finally. Yeah. So now, so, okay, this bit really kerfuffled me because George is at the police station and apparently the guy that shot his brother's already been caught. That They never show, I was like, oh, when did that happen? <laughs> Can you explain? I don't know. Was there a scene that was cut? Because shouldn't we have seen the guy get caught? This scene was very, very odd to me. Like maybe, maybe other cops you know, brought him in because he was a, because he was like a, a person of interest in like several other crimes in, in the city. You got to remember this guy that shot, uh, uh, Christian Slater's brother in the church is the same guy that his brother interacted with at the start of the movie. Yeah. The guy that robbed the convenience store. So maybe this guy was, uh, uh a person of interest in other case. And maybe that's why he was brought in. I mean, yeah, but like it wasn't shown, and if it's not shown, I feel like no, it doesn't no, exist. No. It doesn't exist. No, it no, it was it, it was very it was very odd scene to to have him there, but also I think they put it there to really ring home that, like you said, the criminals in this in in San Francisco in this movie are so brazen and will do anything they want because they understand that they're not going to go to jail. I mean, this guy Kane has a crack has a has has a crackerjack lawyer with him. And he's not going to go to jail, and he knows he's not going to go to jail. Right. So they ask Christian Slater to pick him up. It's pick him up to pick him from a lineup. So Christian Slater points him out. That's the guy. And then his law. This is so bizarre to me. And then his lawyer says to Christian Slater, "Did you see? Did you actually see him shoot your brother?" And he says, "Well, no, but he. But I rushed into the church as like." Two seconds after the gunshots, I heard the gunshots, and he was standing over my brother with a gun. And then the lawyer says, "Oh, well, that's it then. You didn't, you didn't see anything. You didn't see him do it. You just, I mean, you know, he said that he went in, he grabbed the gun, and I was like, wait, what? That's not even a thing. That's not even a thing. He's like, yeah, there were no prints or anything. And I was like, oh my god, the lawyers are just as corrupt. Like the lawyer has obviously been paid off. I just, I couldn't believe that that was actually like going to fucking slice <laughs> this fucking lawyer." And I'm sitting there like, wait, really? So he's like, yeah, you have no proof, and he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna go free. And Christian Slater's like, uh, come again? Like, how does that happen? Um, then, uh, then he gets the news that his brother has died in the hospital from his wounds. And then you see another emotional scene with Christian Slater, and he's just so distraught. And he gets told that Brad, his brother, left him his district. And he can do what he wants with it. I find that very strange because it didn't—it didn't feel like him and his brother um, were interactive at all. So why would his brother leave him, a, an inexperienced twenty-one-year-old, his district? I, I don't know. That seemed a bit—it seemed a bit weird because it didn't really set that up. Um, and then, and then um, George hears laughing, and it's the guy Kane that killed his brother walking out of the station, laughing at him, and that didn't go down well. <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, as far as as far as his brother leaving, as far as uh, his brother leaving, as far as George's brother leaving him the district, I kind of didn't understand that either. The only thing that I can surmise is that's the only thing that he had to leave him. And you know, he he seemed his brother seemed like someone who act, who really really cared about him and who believed that sooner or later he was going to get his shit together and maybe he left him that knowing that is after he gets his shit together this is something of me to help him get going or help him get started in his life you know yeah um but but i but i could totally see how that wouldn't ring true because that wasn't set up at all mm-hmm. and the other thing, the other thing that we have to consider is before his brother got shot. George, that's Christian Slater's character in the movie, was a dropkick. He was a 21-year-old dropkick who had no sense of responsibility, who just left his girlfriend, and who came to San Francisco to mooch on to mooch off his brother on his brother's birthday. Mm. So what does that tell you? That is that that is telling you that this person is not fit to run a district. So it was yeah. very odd, mm. but I could see how his brother 
may have bequeathed his his like own possession thinking that somewhere down the road his brother was going to put things together right right so now we're with george and he's at his brother's grave and as he's leaving the cemetery he bumps into a man called sam jones and sam jones and weirdly enough i actually went to school with someone named sam jones and he was a dick so i could fucking relate because spoiler alert this sam jones in this movie is a dick so anyway um he offers george a hundred thousand dollars to buy the district and um by the district that his brother left him and because okay george is set up to be a character he doesn't want to work he just wants money he's getting offered a hundred grand for a district that he doesn't even fucking want he has no experience with so straight away you're like well obviously this is what he wants and then george says he needs to think it over and you can see when he gets offered it that he's kind of on in two minds about it he doesn't say it but christian slater is just such a good actor that you can see that he's just like I don't know what to do here. Whereas like five minutes ago when his brother was alive, he probably would have, would have um, taken the money. So what did you think about that short scene? I thought that, I thought it was very disrespectful of Sam Jones to come in the, to come and show up at a cemetery. Oh yeah. And, 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 you know, basically say, Hey, you, uh, I understand that you're going through a hard time right now, but I want to buy your district that your brother left. I thought it was very disrespectful for him to do that. And that's a very, very telling character point that sam jones doesn't give a shit about anything he just wants money as far as as far as christian slater you know sort of thinking about it on whether or not to sell your stick i thought that was very good acting by christian slater also it could it could come off as someone who's grieving and someone who is not is not able to process what is being offered to him uh at the time so it can be i can i can take it in two ways it can be either christian slater doing some very good acting or it can just be him acting like he's bereaved and going through some shit at the time because at the time his character was true true very very true so now george is back at his brother's uh patrol office and one of the officers comes up to him and he goes listen you know i've got some money i want to buy you out you know because i'm the i'm the kind of senior officer here and you know obviously you don't want to run the district i'll you know i'll do it and Christian Slater goes, oh, no, no, I'm not going to sell it. I want to keep it and I'm going to go train at the academy and I'm going to learn the job. And this officer is fucking pissed. And he's like, I am not going to work for an inexperienced child, which is kind of understandable because this kid is 21 years old. He has no idea about policing. You know, I wouldn't want to take, um, although I have done jobs where I have taken um, instructions for, from people that are far less experienced from me. And let me tell you, it is not fun. It is one of the worst things you can experience in a job and you've just got to sit there, bite your tongue and go, yes, I'll do that. I'll do that, you idiot. Uh, so anyway, um, the next – so that was a short scene. The next scene is Christian Slater. There's a, this, I thought this was really funny. There's a montage of him doing the training academy. And the first thing is is he's in the academy and he's running up like a sand hill and then he stops and he looks at his like commanding officer and he says, Why are we running if we're in cars all the time? And I was laughing. I was like, that's pretty fucking funny. Um and then he's at a gun shop. Because obviously he has no idea what the fuck is he has no idea what he's doing. And next we're at a gun shop. And he goes, um, I want a gun that like holds a lot of bullets. So you can tell how inexperienced he is. And then the guy gives him a gun and he's like, yeah, there's, there's 15 and one in the, one in the chamber. And he's like, is there a gun that holds any more? <laughs> and I was laughing. I was like, oh my God. I mean, it's just like, it, it, I love it. It's not just a random montage. It's a montage that sets him up to be so inexperienced. Like he can say it, but this is showing how inexperienced he is. But now after that, after the montage, we're in a, we're at a shooting range and the, uh, he's, he's shooting the target and he's actually really good. He's, he, he, he's, he's, he, and he says, I've never shot a gun in my life. And the guy, the guy that comes up to him, you know, um, that says, oh my God, son, you're, you're a really good shooter is actually for any of my geeky friends out there, um, General Hammond from SG Stargate SG one, which is weird because I'm doing a rewatch of Stargate SG one. So I'm like, I'm like pointing at the TV going, Hey, that's general Hammond. I know who that is. Um, so anyway, uh, what did you think about those scenes? I like them. I quite like them. Yeah. Yeah. I thought those, I, I, I thought those scenes are very, very effective and I'm really glad that the writer put them in there because like you said, it shows how inexperienced George is and it shows how 
oh in over his head he is like i just you know i particularly like that scene when he goes to the gun shop and he goes i want you to give me the biggest the biggest gun possible that holds the most bullets and you know, you know that scene when the, the guy hands him over the Beretta and he says, "You got, you got 15 shots in the mag and you got one in the pipe," and I'm and he goes, "Is there one that holds more like you?" I was laughing my ass off, but I but I think the writer of this movie balances it off by saying George is very unexperienced by not knowing these basic things, but they did give him a skill to to show us that he has the capability of becoming mm. a good police officer. Mm. He has to just, he, he just has to learn these, these, these ins and outs that he has to work on. Exactly. So moving on, this is when I feel like the story really gets, really gets into gear. So George gets introduced to his new chaperone, Ted. And again, Ted, if you don't know who the actor is, he was actually in, he was the villain in Ghost. And I always remember his face. And I was like, oh, he's from Ghost. This is what I mean. Like, there's so many, like, little people in this movie that have been in, like, other shit. So this is his new chaperone. He's not happy. He's like, why do we need a chaperone? And he's, like, the 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 office, the commanding officer is just like, yeah, you're inexperienced. You need someone. You can't just go fucking half-cocked. Ted turns around and he tells him if he does anything to make him look bad, he'll break him in half. And I thought that this line of dialogue was so funny because Christian Slater turns to him and he goes, do you get laid much, Ted? And Ted has this confused look on his face and he goes, uh, what, do you, what do you mean? And Christian Slater goes, what do I mean? <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. So, again, it, said, it sets Ted up as, like, don't mess with me. But then when Christian Slater says that, he gets confused. So he's kind of a dummy. <laughs> So he wants to make a good impression, but he's a dummy. And I thought that was quite good. And as they go to get in the car, George excuses himself. He goes, I'll, I'll be back in a sec. He runs up to the narcotics division and he goes, listen, uh, you know, I, I've just had a death. My brother's just died. I need something to help me sleep. So the guy gives him sleeping pills and he's making a coffee. And he puts he puts in, um, he breaks the pill in half and he puts in like the the um, the powdery substance. And then he goes, oh, but Ted's a big guy. Maybe that's not enough. And then he puts in like five pills. He doesn't even bother to like crack open the case. He just puts it in the coffee, <laughs> like all of them. And I'm like, dude, five would like, I don't know if that would kill him, but that would be bad. That would, he would, he would uh, either go to sleep for about three days or it would literally kill him. I'm like, fucking hell. Like, from someone that's taken like one, like I, if I'm going to take a sleeping pill, if I ever do, you take one and one is like definitely enough. But like he put in like five or six, which I thought was funny. And then he gets back to the car and he goes, hey, you want a coffee? <laughs> so, so anyway, that turns out actually really fucking funny. So what do you think? Yeah. You know, the introduction of Ted in this movie is really cool because like you, he's the actor from Ghost. And I think that he's in, I don't even know his name. I, I just know him as a ghost guy. Um, uh, but you know, yeah, you're right. You, you, you know, you're right. He's, he's, he's a guy who is on, he's, he's on suspension for something. That's why he's with George and he tries to lay down the law, but George really shows us how much of a dummy he is and how much of a, of a okay guy he is sort of by, by, by giving that little crack of him not, you know, getting any, the fact that George was able to go up to narcotics and get the guy to give him some pills just like that that was really suspect because when i was watching this movie for the first time i'm like did he give him drugs yeah you don't that's not narcotics division is not a pharmacy (laughs) yeah yeah so so i'm like so i'm like did he like give him like like marijuana like like marijuana pills i'm like that's very very odd so when i saw christian slater you know, break that one pill and, and pour it into the coffee. I'm like, okay, this is fine. Mm-hmm. But when he get, when 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 he poured the rest in there, I was like, dude, you're gonna kill him. Yeah. So I basically I basically thought the same thing that you did. Yeah. So next we're in the car and uh George is driving and he keeps looking over and Ted has not touched his coffee and he's like, Ted, do you want do you not want your coffee? And Ted goes, Oh, I drink my coffee cold. And it, Christian Slater is just like, of course you do. I'm like, fuck. Now he's gotta wait for the coffee to fucking cool down. He's like, oh for fuck's sake. But I guess it gives it enough time for the capsules to <laughs> dissolve, I guess. I don't know. So then they're driving the car and George sees the man Kane who killed his brother. So he turns the car around, nearly gets hit by a fucking bus. Ted's yelling, stop the car, stop the car, stop the car. Like you cannot go after him. Like you, you know, he's fucking pissed. 
So, and this scene was quite funny. He stops the Christian Slater stops the car, and then there's this scene that happens where Ted is just berating George, and every time he says the word "fuck," it's bleeped out. And I'm like, what? It was, it was like he says "fuck," "fucking," "fuckhead" like about ten times in this conversation. Not even a conversation. He's like yelling at him, and. Then Christian Slater, uh, George says like something like, are you done or so- something like that? And then Ted turns around to him and says, fuck you. And it's not bleeped. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> Why did they bleep out all the things? <laughs> Listen, it was a really funny scene. The only thing I can think of as to why they bleeped out all the fucks was like ratings because ratings is so weird because they'll say you can say fuck once, but you cannot say it any more times than one time. And it is, it's just really bizarre. I don't know if that was what it was, but it sounds like that's what it was. But that scene was so bizarre to watch, although I did find it quite funny. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, that's one of my favorite early on scenes when, you know, when when uh, when George is chasing Kane in the car and when uh, when Ted berates him. And, you know, like you said, you just had those bleeps there. And then at the very, very end, uh, as a button to the scene, you had George uh, say something crass, and Ted goes "fuck you," and and that's the only thing that I can surmise that the rating system in the U.S. with a PG thirteen movie, you're only allowed one fuck. So maybe yeah, that, that's funny. You're only allowed one fuck. Yes, so weird. Um, so 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 maybe so maybe with uh, uh, with that in mind, that's why they did it like that. That's why they had. Ted go on that amazing rant and just bleep him for like 10 minutes mm. and then say the, say the only fuck that they had to give for that, that, that button for George also uh, for 13 for, for a PG 13 movie, you are allowed to show one nudity scene, but that's it. <laughs> oh my God. Rating systems are so fucking bizarre. No matter what country you're in, they're bizarre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah. The next scene is uh, they get out of the car and they're just, they don't like each other. And they start beating the shit out of each other. There's this scene, Christian Slater punches Ted, Ted punches him back, and they just, they just beat the crap out of each other. And then officers, other officers show up and they're like, is everything okay? And then Christian Slater's like, yeah, yeah, he's just, uh, he's showing me, I can't remember what he said, show me some moves or something. And like, Ted is like exhausted. Like, this guy's such a good actor. Christian Slater's exhausted. They've just beat the sh- But amazingly enough, for all the times that they've hit each other in the face, none of them have blood anywhere. So that's funny. Um, so yeah, they've, they've beat the shit of each other. They're like, no, everything's like totally fine and, and stuff like you know, that. Yeah. You know, if I just could have, yeah. sorry, just have one thing to say about this. Yeah. That's that's always one thing in movies that really bothers me when people beat the shit out of each other and they don't have any bumps or bruises or cuts on their face. It really irks the fuck out of me when that happens. You know, that does irk the fuck out of me, but what irks me even more is that if you if you're if you punch someone, like really punch someone, usually they won't get up, right? But in movies, oh my god, the beatings people can take in movies is exponential. Like, honestly. And I'm like, like, just with this scene, the amount of times that Christian Slater punches Ted, like, the fact that he kept getting back up, I'm like, are you fucking Rambo? Are you, who the, like, it, that really weird. Because if somebody punched, like, if somebody punched you, you probably wouldn't get up. <laughs> like, especially if the guy punched you, you know, like, it would, it would shatter your nose, it would probably fracture your, your, your chin and, you know, some teeth would come out. Like, uh, I don't know, but hooray for Hollywood. Anyway, let's move on. Um, so they're beating the shit out of each other because Christian Slater wants to go after Kane and Ted is like, no, fuck you. We're not going after Kane. So anyway, after they beat the shit out of each other and the cops come and they're like, is everything okay? And they're like, yeah, yeah, no, she's showing me some moves. Um, now they're friends. And I have said this before, in in uh, another one of our podcasts, the fact that guys can beat the shit out of each other and then be besties. <laughs> and it happens in so many movies and I just do not mentally understand it. Uh, I, yeah, I, guys, I don't get it. Like, I mean, you tell me. You're a guy. You tell me. You know, what the fuck? You know, you know I, I, mean, I mean, as a member of the male sex, I will just say that guys have a certain 
thing we we have a certain thing about us like 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 there's a lot that we can take from another individual that we don't like but if we have a good scruff with them and if we have a good drag out knockout fight whatever whatever thing can be bothering us you know you know uh, unless it's like earth shattering we can get over it and we can be pals or we can be we can be drinking brothers later on not like women 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 (laughs) scare the shit out of me because women are vindictive to the last drop it's ridiculous how vindictive women are women scare the shit out of me (laughs) so (laughs) i'm with you on that one at least with guys you beat the shit out of each other and that's literally the end of it that's the end of it nobody ever brings it up again no you know what you know what it's like a it it's like a very very quick and efficient way to work out Mm. one's issues with another with, with another human male right yes if we listen, listen. If we if we stand here for a couple minutes and do fisticuffs, we'll be okay because by doing fisticuffs, we solve our issues with each other. Yeah, which is one of the things I really like about men is that they sort it out, they move the fuck on. I really, really appreciate that. Something that women just fucking can't do. Anyway, so they become friends. They're friends now. Christian Slater likes him. He goes, oh, Ted's a pretty fucking good guy. And so Ted agrees to go after Ken. He goes, look, we'll tail him, but we're not fucking getting out of the car. We're just going to see where he goes. So um, so they, they do it. And while they're tailing him, Ted skulls his coffee. He skulls it. And George looks at him and he's like, oh, shit, because he likes him now. And he's like, fuck. <laughs> oh, fuck. And his face is just like, oh, fucking shit. And um, so they see Kane hand off a, a, a package to Sam Jones, the same guy that approached um, George in the cemetery to buy the district. And uh, George and Ted kind of uh, try try to – they race after him. That Sam Jones has gone into like the um, – uh, like a train station and they're racing after him through the train station and George, <laughs> no, sorry, not George, Ted. Ted is midway running up the staircase and then he just stops and he's like, uh, and the pills have hit him <laughs> because it takes, it takes a while for the sleeping pills to hit. And he's just like, Oh my God. And then he just stops and he's kind of like in a daze and he doesn't, he's like turning around. And I was like, Oh, okay. I mean, it doesn't even need to be said that the pills have hit him. The pills have hit him. And so I was like, Oh, this is just not gonna turn out fucking well. So anyway, um, he, uh, so anyway, the pills have hit him and Oh, that's the end of that scene. That's the end of that scene. So before I move on, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, you know, you know, I felt really bad for Ted who who drank the coffee in the car, but I was really excited to see how the pills are going to affect him, and I was really glad to see that the pills affect him while I was going down the stairs. I thought I was going to physically fall down the stairs, but um, but luckily he didn't didn't fall down the stairs. So, you know, I think it's a I, I think it's a good scene, and it also it also confirms your theory from earlier on in the episode that anybody named Tom Jones is a is a is a lying Sam Jones. Conv- Tom Jones you, you, is um, yeah. what's anybody, new? Pussy anybody, <laughs> That's Tom Jones. Yeah. Anybody 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 new anybody who is um no, is it Sam Jones, right? Sam Jones. You Sam, just yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Sam, Sam Jones, yeah. This scene really confirms that anybody named Sam Jones is a vindictive evil individual because Sam Jones seems to be working with Kane mm. in some aspects. So I so I thought that this scene did two things it really uh you know keyed up the comedy that we're about to get Mm. and it also uh pushed the story forward yeah so uh sam jones gets away gets on the train before christian slater can get to him and now the next scene we're in ted is passed out in the car how he got back to the car is fucking beyond me because once those pills hit you're fucked Especially if you've taken five, you, there's no moving around. There's you are fucked. So he's passed out. Well, he's semi passed out in the car. He keeps kind of waking up and going, "Oh, <laughs> it's like a zombie." And uh, George, George gets out of the car because he's just been called to to a, a like a building. He gets out, and Maya is randomly there with her new boyfriend. I don't know why she's in San Francisco. I don't know why she, uh, I, I don't, she's got a new boyfriend already. Christian Slater, there's no time code, but he just left like a week ago. So that seems a bit fucking, I don't know. Like, why would she be right fucking there? Before I move on, tell me why is she right there? Oh, come on. You come on. You know the answer. Come on. This one's easy. Come on. Is it right as convenience? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Haley Baum, right? Right it's convenient. Yay, Gossa. Because 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 my my fellow co-host Dean is absolutely right. There's no logical <laughs> reason for my to be there right now yeah. in San Francisco with a guy a, a guy that she just picked up off the street randomly because because I think George broke up with her like a week ago. So yeah. why would she <laughs> randomly be there? It was, you know, you know, it was just a, it, it was just a way to reintroduce Maya back into the story and to remind us that George does have a love interest in this film. Yes, yes. So anyway, George gets out of the car, he sees Maya, he's like, oh, what are you doing here? Same thing I was thinking, what the fuck are you doing there? And so another guy comes out, he goes, come on, you got to go upstairs, you got to talk a guy down off the roof. And he's like, what? So there's a guy on the roof, he's about to jump, and he's like, what the fuck, I can't do that. He goes, you're the only guy that can do it, you're the only guy that's on shift. He goes, all right. So he goes up, and there's a guy on the roof, and he goes, I don't know what to say to him, this is not my job. He he goes out and he, he he's just he's like he's just saying like I don't know like if you want to jump jump if you don't you you don't have to and the guy's like fuck don't say that to him and he goes I don't know what to say like I don't even know why I'm up here so anyway the guy on the roof uh kind of goes to the window and he goes are you a cop and George goes yes and then he shoots him in the side he shoots him and George goes down and it's just and then he just flings himself off the roof. I thought that was a bizarre scene. I didn't know who that guy was. I don't know why he hates cops. Um, and I, 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 I don't know. I found it weird. <laughs> it made no sense. Yeah, no. And you know, I mean, I mean, uh, again, again, I think it was just a scene to give Maya and George another thing to bond over because that scene didn't kind of make sense. It also, I mean, it, it. You know, in a way, it did make sense because it showed George of of the type of crap that he would have to deal with. But we we know nothing about this guy. What George says to the guy is something that you should never, ever, ever, ever tell anybody who is on the brink of doing something really stupid like jumping off a roof. Yeah. Because because he called him a fucking moron. Yeah. He like like the way that he spoke to this guy is not like a police officer to uh. speak to someone in distress like that ever. So yep. George should have gotten fired just just by just by the way they handled the situation. So now we're at the hospital. George is getting patched up. It wasn't. It was a. It went in. He shot. He goes. Oh, the bullet went in and it went out behind him. So it was fine. He's getting patched up. Maya's there, and she steps in. And then there's this just weird scene between them. And George, look, I, I get why they put it in. I just thought it was just weird. George apologizes to Maya for leaving her, and then she cuddles him, and she goes, "Oh my God, George, I can feel your heart on." And I was like, "What? This is weird. <laughs> this is just weird." He's like, "Oh, you know, well, that's just me." And I'm like, "How is that? How? Okay, um, I, I don't know. I feel like I understand no, why I mean, Maya is in the story, but she brings nothing to the story at all. No, but the, yeah, no. Well, well, well. The only the only thing that she brings to the story is a love interest, but actually." Mm. Actually, that scene could have been written much better. Um, mm. uh, Maya's character could have been written a lot better. Like Maya's character could have, could have, you know, you know, you know, worked, you know, you know, you know, been the daughter of someone who owns one of the districts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know. You know. You know. And, and you know. And that way, she could have been involved in the story more. Mm. It would have been really cool if she was with George from moment one, even when they broke up. Mm. And, you, and you know you know and you could have had this whole thing about george getting this district but now having to work for maya's father mm. like like it, that, that could have that could have introduced some interesting dynamics between the two of them mm. as far as that scene in the hospital i'm like you don't have to write the scene this way what is mm. what is him hugging her getting a heart on have to do with anything Nothing. like it, it just wasn't it just wasn't written very well i thought at all yeah no, I agree. Uh, so George gets home from the hospital and he finds Kane, the bad guy, the guy that killed his, his brother, sitting in his kitchen and he offers him money to look yeah. the other way, just like he offered his brother money to look the other way. And basically yeah. if he refuses, but, he's going to kill him. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed this about Kane, but this guy has the worst fashion sense I've ever seen. Oh, my he God. He wears the most <laughs> He wears a T-shirt with his 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 picture on it. Did you notice that? Yeah, later on. Later <laughs> yeah. on. I was like, "What the yeah, fuck?" But, yeah, but yeah, but uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but a little a, a little later on, he wears like this buttoned down, like like colorful T-shirt with a with a fucking fan on it on one side. 
it's like <laughs> it's like it's like the, he has he has the most absurd. I mean, even even uh, even Christian Slater's character brings it up at one point. Yeah, he has the most absurd fashion sense ever. Yeah, it's it's like he's so eccentric. It, yeah, it's just weird. But when he came when, in that scene where he's wearing a, a, a shirt with his own photograph on it, I was like, what? And that was so funny. I was like, this is just so fucking bizarre. Um, so so anyway, uh, Christian Christian Slater's character basically accepts the money because he takes the bag. He's like, well, I don't want to die. And what can I do? I don't want to end up like my brother. So uh, Sam Jones, uh, next we're, at, we're with Sam Jones. He gets in his car and George is in the back and he kind of jumps up and, and he, from the back seat. And he's telling him he knows him and Kane are working together and he knows they killed his brother and he knows all this shit. And I don't know if that was necessarily like the smartest thing to do to like a, like a, I don't know, a cartel member or whatever, the bad guy. But I, yeah, again, I, I don't know if I like this scene because it was just a bit, he is a police officer now and I don't know if he should be breaking into cars. I don't know if that was the right thing to do to let the bad guy know that he knows. I feel like that's just putting a target on his back. I, I don't know. I, I don't know about that scene. What do you think? No, I think, no, I, you know, I, you know, in the, you know, uh, in in the grander scheme of things, I don't think this I don't think this was an intelligent thing to do because he was already on Kane's radar. And number two, by telling the bad guy that you know that you know his evil plan, one thing is going to happen: stay with me, people. They're going to come after him and mm-hmm. they're going to kill him. Mm-hmm. So, so by George taking the money, using the money to pay off the district, because another thing that we have going on right now is there's a loan due on the district, and if George doesn't pay the loan, mm-hmm. he can't keep the district. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what. So maybe that's what he's going to use the money that he got from Kane, mm-hmm. not to buy him off, but to use the money to pay off the district. Yeah, yeah, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't think that that was a smart move at all. I don't understand why the writer. Uh, did that as as a matter of fact, George actually acknowledges the fact that he's not too sure about why he told the bad guy that he knows his plan because mm. you know shit could happen. Mm. But that happens later on in the way. But again, I I didn't understand this scene at all. Yeah. So now George arrives back at his precinct to basically an employee uprising. The guy that wanted to buy it from him that didn't want to work for an inexperienced child. He is basically. Um, in charge of the uprising against him and they want him out he's like no nah, we've all discussed it we want you out you can't do the job blah, blah, blah. and so george says okay i'm gonna challenge you to a fight and if i win i stay in charge and if you win i will leave no questions asked and the guy goes all right now this guy's a big guy uh he looks like and t- t- look compared to christian slater this guy's a big fucking guy and it's just like, oh, I don't know, because Christian Slater's character was not set up to be a guy that could fight. He's pretty slight. He's pretty small. And you're like, all right, I don't know how this is going to go. And then the officer starts basically punching the air and someone says, oh, he was a champion boxer. And you're like, oh, this is not going to go well for, like, George at all. And then George takes his jacket off and then kicks him in the balls and punches him in the face. And he goes, all right, I'm staying. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That was uh, interesting. I think. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, you know that was uh, that was expedient. Also, I found it really funny. Like when uh, I, I just real quick, I found it really funny at the beginning of the movie when George first goes into his precinct. Mm. He already he already knows the name of the people that work in the precinct. How is that possible? Like, oh, I didn't even notice like that. He just, okay. Yeah, like he just shows up. Look, uh, just just really short. He yeah. just shows up and he and he calls the he calls the guy that he kicks in the balls later on in the scene that. The scene that he just went over mm-hmm. by his first name, I'm like that wouldn't be possible. But again, mm-hmm. okay. this movie, this movie is a little off kilter mm. and a little strange. So I guess I'll, 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 I'll give a pass on that. But uh, George's George's solution to finally, you know, getting control of the employee uprising, I thought was funny and sufficient. Yeah, it was okay. So now George sees moving on. George sees Kane, and he's. He's trying to hustle one of the residents um, into selling their shop. And George goes in and steps in and and um, basically says, you know, you, you're not going to do this. This is my district. And Kane goes, um, can I just remind you that you took the money? And George kind of doesn't – I don't know if he doesn't care, but he's just like he, – well, he doesn't care. He's like, yeah, whatever, I took the money, but you're still not going to do this. And Kane is not happy. And you know Kane is going to retaliate because – 
you know, if a bad guy pays you to do something and you don't do it, it's not going to end well for you. So I, Christian Slater's character is really stupid in this movie. He gets, he's a police officer now. He gets into the Sam Jones's car. That's illegal. Um, he's taken money, um, even though he needs it for, you know, for to keep the district open. But he shouldn't have done that. And now he's up against Kane, and in he, he does. I don't know. I think that he's just. I know that he's twenty one, but he's just stupid. <laughs> he's stupid. Yeah, no, 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 no. Everything. Look, look, look. All of all of George's interactions with the the, the bad the, the 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 villains in this movie are ill advised and fucking stupid because nobody nobody's going to nobody's going to antagonize the people that he is chasing and investigating, like George has. Because, like I said before, if you antagonize these motherfuckers, they're going to come after you. And vis a vis. They'll give you and the people around you problems. So the way that George is doing this is by the seat of his pants, not thinking, and he he doesn't understand the shitstorm that is going to be laid at his feet in a couple of scenes because of his actions, brazen way yeah. of handling things or, or his yeah. brazen actions, like Dean just said. Yeah, so here's the scene where Kane react retaliates. So George is getting ready uh, for Maya to come over for dinner and he's dancing around and all this shit. And then he hears a knock at the door and basically Kane shoots the door down and Christian Slater's like, oh, fuck, like as if that wasn't going to fucking happen. And he's trying to find his gun. He's like, where the fuck did I leave my gun? So he's run- He's trying to avoid the bullets running around his house. He goes, oh, fuck, he's fucking in the kitchen. So he gets the gun. He finally gets the gun and there's kind of like a shootout and he shoots Kane dead. Kane is dead and there's a knock at the door and it's Maya and he opens the door and Maya has brought her parents randomly. It's so random. Why are her parents there? Who the fuck are her parents? Her parents look rich. Oh, she's rich. Okay. Um, if she's got rich parents, um, then why was he like, why is he struggling for money? Like, why doesn't he just marry her if she's got rich parents? Cause then obviously if she's pregnant, they're going to obviously take care of a lot of stuff that didn't, that was an oversight. I thought, um, and then they come in and then they, they see the dead body of Kane on the floor and her Maya's mum says, oh, what a lovely place you have. And I would have gotten the fuck out of there. It was such a weird, it was, the whole thing was weird <laughs> to me. It was weird. Well, 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 doesn't, doesn't Maya say like one line dialogue that says, oh, they're here for like a play or something, which, which, which doesn't well, that's con- make that's sense convenient. Anyway. That's convenient. Yeah, but yeah, but the, <laughs> yeah, but the, yeah, but also, also the other thing is, why the fuck? Look, if if her parents were there or for a play, which we kind of don't know, why the fuck would she bring her parents on a date? Yeah, why, why yeah. would she do that? <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, look, look. And the other thing is that Maya knows that George is a cop, but Maya's parents don't know that. So when mm. when George opened the door and saw Kane there lying dead on the ground you're right his parents should have freaked the fuck out but i think that they were so in shock that the only thing that maya's mother knew to say is mm. oh what a lovely home we have even though that his home at the time was was filled with bullets and shit because yeah. there had just been a, a shootout there so it was yeah it was very odd i definitely agree with you that i definitely agree with you in that it was very odd and very strange super super odd so now george is back at the precinct uh, when Sam Jones walks into his office and he says he has his high school transcript saying he didn't graduate and you need to have a high school diploma if you want to be a patrolman. That's one of the pre- prerequisites. And he doesn't. Obviously, George doesn't. He dropped out when in um, you know year 10, whenever it was. And he says, now you're going to be arrested. And I was like, wait, what? What? Wait, stop fucking stop this is robocop all over you're arresting someone because they 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 lied on their transcript to get a job that's not a that's you can get maybe fined or fired but arresting someone that's not a fucking thing it was so extra i couldn't even and then this this was the other thing he goes now he's going to take over his district wait a minute how it's still in in George's name. Whether he runs it or not, it's still in his name. He can't just take it from him. I mean, uh, please, look, you've seen this movie more times than me. Please explain. I did not understand that at all. Yeah, well, yeah, well, first of all, first of all, I, I will say that it is a little bit odd 
how 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 the villain of this movie got, comes to those, comes to those conclusions. But you can't be arrested for 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 lying on a form like that for something of this magnitude. But your to to your point, the the district is under George's name. So even if George goes to jail, there's no there's no legal way that the villain of this movie could get his hands on the district. So that so that I'm with you on. That doesn't work. But as far as George getting arrested for lying on a transcript, that could possibly happen. But I will say it's a little thin. It's a little thin. It, it is, is like it, it is like it is like paper mache, guys. Yeah. It's thin. I'll, it's, it's fucking I'll, thin. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll give you that, but the thing that's absolutely ridiculous is 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 the villain believing <laughs> that he will get control of the district because that is not possible. No. So now we're at the station. George is handcuffed. Handcuffed. He's handcuffed. <laughs> he lied on a transcript and they fucking handcuffed him. <laughs> Sorry, it's just so st- it's so absurd. So anyway, he asks the police officer, look, I need to go to the bathroom. And then the police officer says, okay, uncuffs him. And then George just escapes. <laughs> he just walks off. And I'm like, oh, okay. This movie makes, I mean, it fucking does not make sense. Someone wrote this high. 100% someone wrote this high. Nothing in this movie tracks. I mean, no, I it's think, lucky no, it's coherent, I mean, uh, but it doesn't track. Yeah. Look, I mean, look, 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 look. I... I, I I think that I think that the person who or the people who wrote this movie came up with an idea and they just wanted to do like a fun buddy cop kind of thing. But when you want to do a fun buddy cop kind of thing, there is something that you have to remember. And since Dean is my mentor, she always reminds me of this before I start something or when she reads something of mine, she always brings up these little things if there are holes that I need to patch up and the things that she always brings up. She goes, if you're going to write something about anything, you need to do research and you need to bring logic to what you do, to what you're doing. Because if you don't bring logic, we can have a movie like this. <laughs> yes. You must have rules to all the screenwriters out there. If you're, yeah. if you want to write a buddy cop comedy, that's fine. There are rules. Again, there are fine. rules to every single genre that you write. You have to abide by them. Otherwise you get this movie that makes no sense. And it's not, it doesn't just not make sense to screenwriters. Anybody with a brain watching this, there's a lot of stuff that happens in this movie where it, it breaks all the rules. And if that was how it was supposed to be the intention, then then that's fine. Then I don't have an issue with it. But if they're making this movie, you, you just you have to abide by certain rules. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. That's not to say that this is a bad movie. It just it it there's a lot of things that kind of don't make don't make sense to me. It just you know you know it just it just requires you to to take a lot of to take a lot of lot to take a lot of logic jumps that yeah. are really annoying. Logic jumps. I like that. Logic jumps. That's good. <laughs> So no, he escapes, but before he got he he before he escapes, he goes he goes back to the narcotics department, and then we cut to a scene of George driving a car, and he's sitting next to a Saint Bernard sniffer dog. Why does a narcotics department have? First of all, they don't use Saint Bernards as sniffer dogs, so I think they just use that just to be funny. Usually, they'll use a German Shepherd. Um, so that was just a bit oh, okay, but the German, the Saint Bernard is pretty fucking cute. So I was like, okay, um, I don't know why they would give it to him, considering he doesn't work there anymore. That was a just, yeah, here, just fucking have a dog. Um, and also, I hate to be a stickler for rules, but usually sniffer dogs, they've got like um, like a coat on them, like they'll have like a vest or something to say that they're a sniffer dog. I don't know, it's just fucking weird. That was weird. So anyway, he goes to Ted's house and he's knocking on the door. He goes, Ted, 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 I need I need you to back me up. I'm going to, um, you know, where I think Sam Jones is. I need you to back me up. And Ted is like, get the fuck off my property. Like, I, I got suspended because of you. Like, f- Ted just says no, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then George breaks into Sam Jones's lair, which is a Chinese laundry. And then he fi- he's, he's looking for drugs, which is why he took the sniffer dog. And instead of drugs, he finds stolen artworks worth millions. And it's like, oh, okay. And then um, because George is stupid, Sam Jones catches him and George is now tied to a chair with a tape across his mouth next to the dog who's just sitting next to him. And there's a bomb. There's a bomb. I don't – look, I don't know why there's a bomb. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know why he left George alive. 
don't know what is a ball. Marcelo, this movie, I can't. Um, so anyway, sorry, I'm not finished. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm finishing with this scene. So Ted decides, oh, he's gonna help. He's gonna help, and his car won't start. And so his his uh, wife, which is the chief's his wife, his girlfriend, which is the chief's wife, which is kind of partly why he got fired. Who is played by an actress that is known. Um, she was in Baywatch. She's a Baywatch actress. I noted. I noticed her straight away because I was a fan of the original series. She says, "Take my car," but it's the chief's car because she's the chief's wife, right? And he's like, "I can't take that car." She's like, "No, no, just take it because his won't start." So he takes it. He goes to the Chinese laundry because he. Um, I don't knows he knows George is going to be there and he's tapping on the window and he's like George you in there and it's all closed up and he can't see anything and George is in there and he's trying to get the dog to bark so he's I I don't, I don't know he's he's speaking through the duct tape on his mouth and there's like subtitles to like to show like what he's saying so anyway he gets the dog to bark and um, Ted kind of breaks in and he's like, no, 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 there's a bomb, there's a bomb, there's a bomb. And he's like, huh? And then they all jump out the window. The dog jumps out the window. The bomb goes off. And uh, the because Ted has parked the chief's car outside of the Chinese laundry, the car goes kaboom as well. And this is so funny. Ted has a meltdown. He's like, oh, my God, it's the chief's car. Oh, my God. And then he starts crying and then he starts having a fucking hissy fit. Like, that's the chief's car. That's the chief's car. And Christian Slater's is like, who cares? It's the chief's car. Um, that was the best part kind of about that scene. But I just thought, like, why would you put a bot? I don't know. I mean, he's a bad guy, right? I don't know. But you explain. You fucking explain. Yeah. I mean, look, I think, I, you know, I think the villains, I think the villains intentions by putting the bomb in the laundry is to, is to kill two birds with one stone to get rid of his operation because he was clearly wrapping it up. And number two, to kill this prick in his side by the name of George. Um, ironically, why he chose to put him, put him in there, leave him in there tied up to a chair and why he just, why he just didn't blow him away right when he found him there. I don't know that 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 is writer's convenience, but the other thing that I found really dumb and stupid is the fucking uh, dialogue that Christian Slater has is that with the with the with the, with the subtitles and the and the tape thing that was mm. just stupid to me. Yeah. Um, the Ted 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 not Ted saying George like fifty fucking times outside of the laundry yeah. was driving me nuts as well. Me too. Um. You know, and you know, and when he finally goes in, Ted is like kind of walking towards Christian Slater. When honestly, there's something wrong, and Christian Slater says, "Come on, come on, come on. like why wouldn't you run if you see a friend tied up in a fucking chair?" I know. Like, like there's so many things about this scene that don't work. Yeah, it was like it, it was like the writers were trying to be funny, but what they came up with wasn't funny. No, although, although that you know, seeing seeing the chief's car go up and bloody pieces and seeing Ted freak the fuck out was the fun, was the only funny thing about the scene. True. So Ted and George, uh, they're on a mission now. They, they buy, they go to the gun shop, they buy guns and they're after Sam Jones. So they find, I don't know how, but they somehow find Sam Jones doing the handoff of the artwork and getting the money on a rooftop. Don't know how they knew Sam Jones was there. I have, do you know? No, I have no idea. I okay. I, I, I don't know. Okay. I, do, I, I, I don't know if they like if, if they like mention it or if it's it's said by the bad guys at one point. I have no idea how they find them. Me neither. It's writer's convenience once again. So there's a there's a massive again. epic. Yep. There's a massive shootout, um, and then George kills Sam Jones. He shoots him. He kills Sham, Sam Jones, and then he just walks off. And um, the the very last scene of the movie is George and he's holding a baby and it's his daughter. And he says he married, he's talking to the camera, he says he married Maya and he did his high school equivalency exam and he passed it so he gets to keep his district. Um, the end. That's the end. Do you want to uh, do, do your trivia? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, the trivia is, where is it? Um, the script, this script was specifically written for Christian Slater. And he did look for all the yeah, movies' faults. Surprising. Yeah, he 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 did do a good job. I thought yeah. the original. I mean, yep. Yeah, sorry, go. I mean, and you know, I mean, this is not my favorite Christian Slater movie. That is uh, Broken Arrow. It's a John Woo movie. Yeah. But well, you know, but 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 this movie is is okay. Yeah. Um, the original title for this movie was Gun for Hire. I don't no, know. No, I like. 
yeah, I like I, I like cuffs better. Me too. And the last piece of trivia, which when I saw this, um, I actually couldn't believe. I mean, I guess. Look, I know that they do it sometimes, but it it made me it made me not like the movie. This this actually made me not like the movie. It made me not like the director at all. So Mila Jovovich, I thought, oh my god, she looks so young. She was fifteen in the movie when Ooh. they shot it. And Christian Slater was 22. And the scenes that they had Ooh. together, her in her underwear, them making out, and she got her in the hospital saying, oh, you've got a heart on. She's 15 years old. I have a fucking issue with that, a big issue. So why? No. <clears throat> first of all, first of all, why would you cast somebody who is that young to do scenes like that? Um, that doesn't, that's what like, I mean. Like, 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 why would you... Do that, and first of all, why would uh, why would Mila Kunis, uh, sorry, Mila Jovovich, yeah, Mila Jovovich's parents let her be in something like that? That's what I. That's that's exactly. When 15, yeah, because because when you're fifteen, when you're a fifteen year old actor, you aren't you aren't you are not in control of your own career. Your your parents are in control of your own career at that point. Yeah, I'm gonna close the show now. We're gonna say bye bye. We're gonna say bye bye for another week. And if you would like to email us, you can. You can email us at the mixtape pod at AOL.com. Um, you can email us anything. You can email us hello. And that's it. You can email us email us I fucking hate you. That's fine. That's fine. We like the haters too. You can email us anything. You can email us a request if you want us to do a movie that you like and you want us to tear it apart, tear it to bits, you can do that too. Up next week. We have a classic, a cult classic, Saturday Night Fever. Yes, we're doing Saturday Night Fever next week, so be sure to join us for that. And remember, this is my this is my meditation soft voice. Remember, if anyone is kind enough to make you a mixtape, that must mean that they really love you. The Mixtape Podcast is a Balloonhead Productions presentation.